You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. All right. That was your cue. You wanna, you wanna have a seat? We're gonna get into it. Um, so maybe I'll just tell you a little bit about uh, where we're going from here. Uh, over the next two weeks, next week I'm gonna be preaching up in Red Deer, and so we're gonna have another one of our guys uh, preaching, and then uh, the following week as well. Now, I, I'm announcing this this morning so you understand it's all my fault, okay? And, um, and the guy who's preaching on the 13th. He's not the one who's going out of order, okay? So I thought he was going to be gone on the 20th. I'm actually gone on the 13th. And so they had prepped for faithfulness. So we're going to do faithfulness before goodness, okay? And then I'll do goodness when we get back. So it's not that we don't believe in goodness in this church, okay? <laughs> so, so we will do that, but just want to make sure everybody understands that. And uh, today we have... Um, uh, Patience, right? Didn't that seem like forever, right? Like, oh, come on, let's go. And that's, that's the world we live in. And so we really uh, wrestle with patience. I, I, I shared with you guys um, over the week that patience was the next one that we we're going to be dealing with. We're like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it on Sunday. You know, um, why? Because we, we tend to wrestle with this idea of patience. But it is a fruit of the Spirit, a fruit of the Spirit. And that's really good news for you and I. It doesn't matter how much you wrestle with the idea of patience. It's really uh, less about you and more about Him. And as we've been learning from Galatians 5, uh, we are to not no longer walk according to the flesh, that the things that we would do naturally, but rather we are to walk by the Spirit. And as we do so, we ought to see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. I got an opportunity to, to listen to, to John MacArthur a little bit this last week, and I, I love the way he put it. You know, if, if, if you see no fruit of the Spirit in your life, you ought to wonder whether you are truly in Christ. Um, now, in those early days, it may not look like after you've been a believer for 20 years. And the, the analogy he used is like a, a flowers, Right? In those early days, you see the buds, right? They're not into full bloom yet, but you see the buds. And as you get saved and, and give your life to Christ, you ought to start seeing some of those buds in your life. And as you grow in Christ, the, the flowers flourish, and then you have this beautiful bouquet for the world to see. And, that, and who gets the glory? He gets the glory. As his character is becomes our character as is his power enables us to do the things that God does. And so I want us to encourage us this morning that, yes, a lot of these things that we're dealing with each week, they're, they, they're hard for us. And, and, and the right thing to do is for us to admit that and to say, Lord, I can't. And that's a beautiful thing to say. I can't, but you can. And so as a result of that, we have hope this morning that we might see love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in our lives in an increasing way as we walk by the power of the Spirit. And so uh, before we get into things, I want us to, to think about, well, what is patience? What is patience? It, is, it, is it, like for me, when I think of that word, my um, automatic uh, picture in my mind is waiting, Right? There's waiting involved when it comes to patience. But it's not just that. As we look at the scriptures, we're going to see that, that there are, are, are more facets than just waiting when it comes to patience. Uh, Wright has a helpful description. He says this, Patience as fruit of the Spirit means the ability to endure for a long time whatever opposition and suffering may come our way and to show perseverance without wanting retaliation or revenge. That is a definition of what it means to have patience as a fruit of the Spirit. 
It is also the ability to put up with the weaknesses and foibles of others, including other believers, and to show forbearance toward them without getting quickly irritated or angry enough to want to fight back. Uh, patience and peace are, are, are intimately connected together. As we've been seeing, each of the, as we think about each of the facets of the fruit of the Spirit, they all are intertwined. That's why it's not fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And so this morning, as we, as we think about this definition, I want us to, to, to ask the Lord, Lord, where, where am I at in this regard? How often am I submitting to your Spirit in regards to patience? Do I have a biblical understanding of this term? And, and Lord, am I using your helper that you have sent me that I might be conformed more and more into the likeness of Christ? And so before we get into it, let's just go to the Lord in prayer, ask him to examine our hearts, and then we'll get into it. God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, we're thankful that we are not left to our own wisdom, but God, your wisdom has been revealed to us through the Word of God. This morning, we would be quick to admit that often, Lord, we choose our own way, that, Lord, we, we like to think that our ways are best, and yet, Lord, um, we would uh, pray, Lord, would you give us repentance in that regard? Even now, Lord, as we study your scriptures, God, I pray for submission. I pray for a willingness, Lord, to, to do what your, what your Word says, and uh, Lord, if there be ways in our life where that uh, is not happening, Lord, that you would grant us repentance. And then, Lord, faith and trust to trust in your ways. God, we, we want to see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives increasingly. As individuals and as a church, Lord, I pray that as people would come into this place, they would see something different in us, and that difference would be Christ in us. And so, Lord, we know that that's not something that we can fabricate on our own. And so, Lord, we pray, would you help us? Lead us, guide us for the glory of your name. And, and Lord, even as I preach now, I pray, would you lead me, Lord, that your words might have the power to impact our lives. It's your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so everybody needs a Bible. As was the case last week, we're going to be hopping around. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and just slip up your hand, and the ushers are happy to give you a copy of God's Word. Maybe you don't own a Bible, just keep the one they're going to give to you. But we want to be able to look down at God's Word together and say, okay, uh, this pastor isn't just making this stuff up, it's actually in the book, okay? So we want to be able to look at God's Word together. And as we think about patience, I want us to look at it from three different angles and we're going to be looking at it from the perspective of the Father, the perspective of the Son, and then the perspective of the Holy Spirit. And so to begin with, I want us to first apprehend the characteristic of patience in the heart of the Father. Apprehend the characteristic of patience in the heart of the Father. A lot of people have a wrong idea about who God is. When they think about the Old Testament, they're like, He was an, he was an angry God. He, he was a God who just continually taking people out. He, he, he's judging him here and he's judging him there and there's just so much genocide and death and I'm so glad that the New Testament God isn't like the Old Testament God. Have you ever heard that? A lot of people think that. Uh, but that's not true if they actually understand the Scriptures. This morning, how do you view God? Do you think that he is quick to strike? That he's just waiting waiting for you to mess up so that, boom, he can get you? Is that what you think? Or do you understand that he is actually slow to anger, that he's patient towards you? As we went through the first 20 chapters of Genesis, we've seen example after example of God's patience. Uh, wait a minute, Pastor. Isn't the flood in there? Huh? Isn't, I, I don't go to church very often, but I'm pretty sure the flood's in there. And that Tower of Babel thing and, and Sodom and Gomorrah, I mean, you, what do you mean he's slow to anger? Well, let's just think about it for a minute. When did the flood happen? When there were eight people left on this earth who had faith in God. And we, when we went through Genesis 6, we've seen it could have been billions of people at that time. Billions of people on this earth, eight left, who had any kind of faith in God. God is patient. 
First Peter 3.20 is speaking to those who were disobedient. It says, formerly they did not obey. When God's patience waited, again, God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. We believe that 120 years it took to build the ark. They, they see what's happening and yet still no repentance in anyone as they see judgment about to come. There was no faith. There was no repentance of their sin. And then God brought judgment. The Tower of Babel, what they deserved was death. Anytime we rebel and sin against God, what we deserve is death. But God in his patience instead scattered them throughout the earth. We see in Genesis 11 and then Genesis 12, he chooses Abraham, who is a moon worshiper, to make him be a follower of him so that his promise might be fulfilled, that there would be one who would come and stomp the head of Satan and reverse the curse. Sodom and Gomorrah. In Genesis 19, the previous chapter in Genesis 18, Abraham is saying, Lord, like, will, you, will you smite the whole city? What if there are 50 who are righteous? For 50, I will not, I will not judge them. I will not, I will not smite them. 40, 45, 50, 40, you know, he's like an auctioneer, right? And we get down to what? 10. He says, for the sake of 10 righteous people, I would not destroy them. But there were not that many. God is patient. As we continue through the scriptures, we're going to, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm kind of tossed around the idea of trying to get through Genesis and Exodus this next year. And everybody's like, you're never going to do that. But I, <laughs> I, I, I think it's possible. Okay, so we're, we're working on that plan. But eventually, Lord willing, about a year from now, we'll get to Exodus chapter 34. And again, I would just encourage you to turn there. And they're, they're going to be up on the screen as well. But Exodus 34, and, and again, just, I would also encourage you to just write these things down and then study them for yourselves later. But listen to what it says about the character of God. God is about to bring the Ten Commandments. Moses has got the two tablets. He's up on the mountain, and then God descends in the cloud. And as he does, it says in verse 6 of chapter 34, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Now what's tragic about these verses is that most people disfocus on the end part, right? Visiting, look at him. Look at him. So, so, so the guy sins, and then those sins impact his son, and then his grandson, and then his great-grandson. I mean, what kind of a God is that? A God who is merciful and gracious. Because if God doesn't step in, that cycle never changes. You think about it. Anybody ever stop and realize like they're doing the things that their parents did? Has that ever occurred to you? Right? We impact one another's lives. And, and if God were not gracious, that cycle of sins uh, would con continue to pass on from one generation to the next. What Ross says this, what a gracious and compassionate God does is so to limit the effects of sin to three or four generations instead of the ripples of sin going on forever. God will slow them down and eventually stop them. By contrast, listen, listen what it says earlier. He is pleased to magnify covenant love to a thousand generations. Who can measure the effects of the smallest choice for God and against the rampant self? I mean, some of you who are here this morning are going to be that first generation who now turns to God. And then your children, by God's grace, would come to know the Lord, and then it gets passed on and passed on. I mean, statistically, if you look at it, your chances of coming to faith in Christ rise dramatically when you are raised in a Christian home. True or untrue? True, right? God loves to show his steadfast love to a thousand generations. And what's interesting, as you go through the scriptures, God does not just say this about himself in Exodus, 
He says it two more times in the Pentateuch, that he is a God who is slow to anger. Why does he keep repeating it? Why does he say it in the Psalms? Why does he say it in Nehemiah? Why does he say it in the prophets? Because we do not expect him to be slow to anger. Why? Because that's not our character. That's not us whatsoever. We are not, by nature, slow to anger. Somebody wrongs us, what do we want? Justice. Justice. How dare they hurt me, right? And so I'm going to get my revenge. I'm going to come after them. That's what we naturally do. And so God wants to say, I'm not like you. I'm not like you. I am slow to anger. How many parents we got here today? Any parents? Okay, so is patience important in parenting? Anybody? <laughs> I remember when the kids were young, especially so. I, I, I would say this stupid phrase, and I may have probably said it here before, but I'd be like, I can't believe that you. And then God would convict me like, really? Like how many times have you done the same sin? Over and over and over again. Like, like you think your children are going to be different? What I expect from you is to be patient with them as I am with you. But you know that feeling starts rising up, right, within you? You know, and you're like, I don't know if I can control this, right? And, 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 and you're just like, you know, like, just be quiet. You know, maybe, if, you know, you're just like, hey, we're going to have some quiet time, whatever. And, 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 and we're not slow to anger by nature. Now, that is not our nature. But God's nature is very different. He is slow to anger. The passage in Nehemiah, he says, you remember, remember when you guys were back in the wilderness? Remember that time? Remember how God had just miraculously brought you out of Egypt over and over again, miracle after miracle after miracle, crossing the Red Sea, and then you got over there and you're like, hey, let's, let's build a golden calf and worship that. Remember that time? Nehemiah 17, they refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders, wonder story that you preferred among them, but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. Did not forsake them. I'm not sure what your understanding of God is this morning, but I want you to hear that our God is slow to anger. Not just in the Old Testament. The Father's countenance and character has not changed. We read in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You are here this morning, Many, many of you, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, because he was patient with you. That's the only reason that you sit here today, is because of God's patience with you. If it was not for his patience towards you, you would have walked, and you did walk in rebellion against him, and he'd be just like, done, done. You walked in rebellion against me, the consequences is death and eternal condemnation. You're done. But he was slow in his anger towards you. He was patient. And he opened your eyes to see who Jesus Christ is. He helped you to see that you were walking in your rebellion against him. But that because he loved you, he sent his son to pay the price for you. I pray that everyone understands that here this morning. Now, God is a God of justice. He is patient, but he is not mocked. One day, either you will pay for your sin or Jesus will have, will have paid for your sin. But we will all stand in judgment before him. And so don't scorn his patience. Don't try his patience, but rather say, God, thank you. I'm, this morning, even now, you're convicting me that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I repent. Thank you so much for loving me and making me your child through Jesus Christ. Which leads us to God the Son. Appreciate the conduct of patience in the ministry of the Savior. 
appreciate the conduct of patience in the ministry of the Savior. As I mentioned earlier, most people don't have a, a problem understanding that Jesus was patient. I mean, you see it throughout Scripture over and over and over again, his patience toward the disciples, towards his enemies. And I want us to just focus on a couple of different passages this morning that demonstrate both God, uh, Jesus' long-suffering and his forbearance. Again, remember the, the definition of patience here is the ability to endure for a long time whatever opposition and suffering may come our way and to show perseverance without wanting retaliation or revenge. Jesus was exemplary in this. If you look at 1 Peter 2, verses 21 to 25, 1 Peter 2, verses 21 to 25, it says this, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you. He's talking about, hey, you're going to experience some suffering. We're going to look at that in just a moment. But because Christ has suffered for you, leaving you examples so that you might follow in his steps, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, guess what? He did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but now have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And Jesus was exemplary in living out patience on this earth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in turn. When he was threatened, he did not threaten. Now listen, you and I, can, uh, we can throw out all kinds of threats and we could do all that kind of stuff, but whether we have the power to do it is really in question. Whereas when you're God, anything that you say is going to happen, right? But instead, Jesus humbled himself and as he's on the cross, as he's suffering excruciating pain, both physically but also spiritually, as our sins are placed upon him and the wrath of God is being poured out on him, he says this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Is that your heart towards those who would hurt you, to persecute you? Wright says this, patience has a lot to do with how much you're able to bear or carry. Have you heard the phrase, when we run out of patience, we say, I can't bear it anymore. Anybody heard that phrase, right? I can't bear it anymore. Where, where'd that come from? It's like, I just feel this weight upon me, and I, I just can't, I can't do it anymore. I, I, I got to get rid of this weight upon me. But thankfully, the Lord Jesus did not do that. He, he did not say, I cannot do it anymore, but instead he bore the full weight of our sins. We read in Isaiah 53, 4, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Isaiah 53, 6, All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53, 12, Yet he bore the sin of many, and makes intercession for the transgressors. And the Lord God, he, he bore our sins. He bore the full weight. He was patient towards us and granted a way that we might be forgiven. How do you deal with the hurts in your life? How do you deal even with the irritants in your life, the, the inconveniences in your life? How do you respond to the people around you? Do you continue to bear that weight or do you lash out? Do you know what I'm talking about? Let's go back to the parenting. We're on time number 10 for the day, right? Please don't do this. I've asked you not to do this and now they're doing it again on the 10th time. You feel like what? I can't bear this anymore. And again, that's a proper thing to think. You can't, but God through you and his strength, you can model patience to your child. You say, okay, I'm not going to get angry, but we are going to go through this one more time. 
And when we choose to sin, we choose to suffer. Wright says this, when God is patient, when God forgives, it is only because God chooses to carry our sins himself, to bear the weight and cost of them on his shoulders. And that, of course, is precisely what Jesus did for us on the cross. He bore the full weight and cost of our sins. He endured. He patiently persevered. So when we are tempted to say we cannot do it anymore, let us remember the patience towards us by Jesus Christ in bearing the full weight of our sin so that we might be reconciled to the Father. Which brings us to our third point. Apply the cultivation of patience in the life of the believer. Apply the cultivation of patience in the life of the believer. I want five things we're going to hit briefly here. First, remembering, not forgetting. Just as I've just said, we need to remember the character of God, and we need to remember what Christ's ministry has done for us. Do you think of these things as you're going through the day? Do you remember what it says in John 14, 26? But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send you in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I have said to you. We need to go to the Lord often. God, help me to remember the character of God. That, Lord, you are slow to patient. When I, or sorry, slow, slow to be patient. Slow to anger. That you are full of patience. Lord, when I am tempted to be quick to, angry, to be angry, Lord, help me to be patient as you are patient. I mean, in this day, there, there's this, 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 this inclination, it seems, in believers, as soon as they get on the internet, they kind of just throw away walking in the spirit and like, okay, who are we going to go after today, right? Who are we going to tear down? Who are we going to make fun of? Who are we going to rant and rave about? Let us remember that that is not in the character of our God. That he is slow to anger. That he is patient towards the unbelievers. Those who maybe are coming after you. Those who are maybe persecuting you in some way or slandering your name. How do you react to them? Do you react in the way that God reacted to your sin against him? This is what God calls us to do as followers of him. It's also, it's, it's very important for us to remember not only that the Father and Son are patient and have patient, been patient towards you, but that God has told you, what? That you will suffer hostility in this world from those who are your enemies. Like, I don't know, I'm a pretty nice person. I'm, I'm, I always try to be nice to others. Why would I get persecuted? Why would people come after me? Because the Bible says that that's what's going to happen. Anybody ever shocked that people would slander you, come after you, persecute you in any way? Anybody ever shocked by that? Are you still awake? <laughs> Most of us are, are shocked. <laughs> What's happening? This shouldn't be happening. Well, the Bible has told us it will happen. Peter writes this, 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. Beloved, listen, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Does that not describe our experience when we suffer some kind of slander or persecution towards us? Like, we are surprised that this is happening to us. But Peter's like, don't be surprised. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted... For in the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. If Christ suffered, why would we expect anything less? He was the perfect human being. There is nobody who should have ever said anything negative about him. And yet they did. They persecuted him, slandered him, and called him all kinds of things while he walked this earth. And yet... He was patient towards his enemies. May we respond in the same way. Paul wrote something very similar. 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 12. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, 
which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Will be persecuted. And if we're being honest, this is not something that we remember, or at least we have selective memory when it comes to this. We expect there not to be this. And let's be honest, there's a lot of countries in the world where people grow up and they do expect it because they've seen it happen again and again and again in the generation before them. We've lived in a relatively safe, peaceful land of Canada and there hasn't been a ton of the kind of persecution that we see in the rest of the world where your life is threatened, where, where, where you could be thrown in prison. But we should not expect that that will be the case in our lives forever. Maybe you've already experienced that at work, the persecution that you can get for being a follower of Christ. Many of you who are kids who are going to school, you are experiencing it in a way that your parents didn't, your grandparents didn't. But the Bible tells us that we should expect to be persecuted. So what do we do? Well, let us first be praying for those who are already going through these intense persecutions in our world. And then let us pray that, God, when it does come to me, may I, res- may I respond with the patience that you ask me to. May I be quick to forgive. May I be quick to remember how you have loved them and died for them. May I be quick to pray for them who are my enemies and not respond in kind. 1 Peter 4.19, Therefore let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. That's what we ought to do. If people would come against you, you you, you entrust yourself to him. Say, Lord, this was your desire. This was your will. I know that you are over everything in this world. And so I entrust myself to you. And for myself, I will continue to do good. I will not respond in wickedness. And so when Christians suffer, there should be no surprise, no retaliation, no quitting, no anger, but rather patience as we look to the Lord and imitate him. Secondly, we should be forgiving, not begrudging. Forgiving, not begrudging. We've seen this over and over again, how the Lord God has forgiven us. We want to look at a a great example of this who wasn't Christ. Of course, Christ is the ultimate example, but we think about Stephen. Stephen is a man, we were introduced to him in Acts chapter 6. There's this problem in the church. They're supposed to be um, taking care of the widows and, and uh, the, the elders of the church. The apostles are like, we can't, we can't be caught up in this. We, we need to be praying. We need to be, we, we need to be preaching the word. And so we need to choose some guys. So they choose seven guys, Stephen being one of them. And he's, he's just... He's this man, we're described as a man full of grace and power. Is that how you're described? Like, Lord, help us, right? Lord, help us to be those kind of people. Stephen's fully committed to the Lord, full of grace and power. Enemies come. They're coming after him. They, they try to dispute with him. Guess what? doesn't go too well because he's full of the Spirit, <laughs> And, and, and so they're like, okay, well, we got we to gotta take this guy out. And so they take him before the council. They make up a bunch of lies. Sound familiar? That's what they did to our Lord. Make up a bunch of lies. And then Stephen preaches like this knock it out of the park sermon. And at the end, everybody repents. Is that what happens? No, they do not repent. They're very angry. And we read that they were enraged. And then meanwhile, Stephen, we read this about him in verse 55 of Acts 7. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast, up, cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul, whom God in his patience and grace saved and used mightily. And, and we know him as Paul. And then as, as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. 
And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. He died. May God help us to have a forgiving spirit like Stephen. I don't know what the Lord has for us in these years to come. Maybe there's going to be a revival breakout. That's possible. A great awakening. I'm seeing God move in mighty ways these days. Maybe that's what our story would be. Or we will see more intense persecution. But we know this. God is with us. And he's enables, he enables us to, to forgive. Because why? Because we've been first been forgiven. So until maybe more intense persecution comes, it doesn't mean that you don't have to practice forgiveness, right? Anybody ever get irritated with those around them, right? Maybe, maybe you know, your spouse, they had this cute little thing they did, you know, when you got married, like, oh, isn't that cute? And then now it's not cute anymore, right? You know, you're tired and whatever. Oh, they're doing that thing again, Right? And, and, what, and, and like you start getting irritated, right? What do, you, what do you do? Lord, help me. It's so silly. Why am I being irritated? Why, why? Well, because I'm a person of pride. And, and, and I think everybody should be like me. Everybody should do what I do, right? And, and what's interesting about our twisted hearts and minds is that somebody else can do the same thing you do. And for you, you're like, oh yeah, totally, like, Forgiveness, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know I, 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 I told you we'd do that and we didn't do it, but like, just forgive me, right? Because, you know, I'm busy. And... But they do that to you and you're like, oh man, like I don't, I don't know if I can ever talk to that person again. Like, do you see how twisted we are? So God, help us not to be prideful. Help us to be humble in those times. And as you humble yourself before the Lord, then you also need to ask him to help you to forgive. I get it. Some of you have been hurt deeply, many, many, many times. But I want you to hear this this morning. You are able to offer forgiveness to that person because Christ has forgiven you a great debt. And so as we seek to be patient, we need to be forgiving. It says in Colossians 3.13, we need to bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So you must also forgive. One more verse with that. Ephesians 4, we looked at this last week with patience. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. We cannot do it on our own. We'll divide over ridiculous things left to ourselves. But because the Spirit of God lives within us, those irritants, those misunderstandings, all those things that would divide us can be washed with Christ's blood because of Him. And and we can walk in forgiveness with one another. Hey, if you're new to the church, you will be hurt by someone in the church. We are a place full of sinners. But may we extend forgiveness and grace to one another and continue to walk in his love and in his patience. Second, our third thing, slowing, not hurrying, which I need to hurry because we're never going to finish if we don't. And the children's many people will not be excited for this test of patience. Um, <laughs> slowing, not hurrying. Let's just be honest. We live in society where we think fast is always better right? Fast is always better. But, but is that true? Is faster always better? What about food? Something you throw together in five minutes is better than something that took six hours to cook? Anybody think that? Nobody thinks that, right? Oh man, my favorite appliance is the microwave, right? Says the guy who's 25, right? And on his own. That was my favorite appliance, right? If I couldn't cook dinner in five minutes, then I just went out, right? So, but, but that wasn't because it was good. It was just because I didn't know how to cook. So we understand faster isn't better. Oh, what about in our lives, the, 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 the things that we um, appreciate? Menikoff says this, the NFL running back doesn't make the big game without years in the gym. It's not something that happens quickly. 
A guy has to continually work out and work out and work out and be disciplined if he's going to be best at what he does. The college professor doesn't stand up to teach without years in the library. We understand that good things take time. And so it is with your character. So it is with patience. Some of us are like, Lord, I need patience right now, right? Like that's kind of, and, and, but the Lord is working in our hearts. And, and what he calls us to do is to walk by the Spirit. What does that mean? One step at a time. Day in, day out, saying no to the flesh and yes to him. In the good times and in the hard times, so that his character might be conformed in us. Part of our failure to walk by the Spirit is that we say we're so busy. I'm just so busy. Anybody ever say that? Everybody says that. It's like a badge of honor in our society. It's not a badge of honor. It's foolishness. And so what we need to do is say, Lord, help me to slow down. I'm not sensitive to your spirit in my life because all I'm doing is running here and running there and back and forth and going, 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 going. I'm not taking time to just be still before you and praying and meditating on your word and taking Sabbath. I'm not doing those things. And as a result of that, I'm failing to walk by your spirit. And so be thinking about that. What does it mean to slow down in my life? What are some things I need to get rid of so that I might be more sensitive, that I might be walking by the Spirit? And as we slow things down, one of the things that we'll see that God asks us to do is that we need to be slow to anger, just as he has asked us to be, just as he has modeled to be slow to anger. Two verses as you meditate, as you take that time to pray before him is James 1, 19 and 20. James 1, 19 and 20. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. As we go through life, we ought to be remembering the best thing I can do is listen to the person I'm with right now. That's what they need more than anything. And whatever they say against me, maybe, maybe it's hurtful, maybe, maybe there's false accusations, my response should be that I am slow to speak. Count one, two, three. Holy Spirit, help me respond well. Now I respond. Lord, help these emotions to be given to you. Lord, you are the God of justice. If there needs to be justice, you will take care of it. What you ask me to do is to be patient. Two more things. Persevering, not quitting. Persevering, not quitting. Manikoff says this, It is easy to be discouraged when the cross is heavier than you thought it would ever be. Life is harder than you want it to be. Obstacles are taller than you prefer. And growth is slower than you you expected. But waiting through pain is part of God's design. It's his redemptive plan unfolding over time in the individual lives of his people. When the trial is longer than you had hoped, when it is more difficult than you had hoped, there is this tendency in us to just want to get off. To, 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 to like, I, I just need some me time. Now, that's what the world wants you to hear. Like, oh yeah, just think about yourself. That's what you really need to do right now. And, and there's this temptation to start listening to the lies of the world. I love what the psalmist says in Psalm 73, 2 and 3. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I'm like, man, their lives are great. Like they don't, they don't go to church. They don't read their Bibles. They don't do anything with God. And look how carefree their lives are. Well, this, this, this week, I want you to read the rest of Psalm 73 and see how it concludes. But I'll tell you how it concludes is this, is that he starts to see God for who he really is. And he understands, listen, he is far better. He is far greater than anything this world can offer. And I need to entrust myself to him. If you want to persevere, then you need to have a strong view of the sovereignty of God in your life. You need to understand that he is allowing that trial in your life for that amount of time for a purpose. 
that his character might be conformed to you. This is what Romans 8, 28, and 29 is telling you. So you look to him. How, how did Joseph respond in any kind of grace towards those brothers that nobody in this world wants? Brothers who sold him, sold him into slavery. They hated him so much that, that he, they sent him into slavery. How is it that he would ever be patient with them, to be gracious with them? We're told in Genesis 50, verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. He's seen the sovereignty of God over even his brother's evil. That's how he was able to respond in grace. And so it is for you and I. Whatever is happening, whatever is coming against you, God is allowing it. One of the things we can do, I'm just going to crank up the speed volume here. So we're not going to look at these verses. I'm not going to read them. But I want you to write these things down. Romans 15, 4, and then James 5, 10, and 11. Romans 15, 4, and James 5, 10, 11. But what they tell you is this. One of the ways that we are able to persevere is by opening this scripture every day and being reminded about God's faithfulness. Have you ever heard the phrase, the patience of Job? Anybody ever heard that? A few of you, right? How did Job get patience? It was by going through a trial. God is at work in whatever you're facing today. And I don't know what you're facing but I'm so thankful he does know everything about you. And whatever you're going through, I want you to understand he's using it. He has a plan. These things are not random events in your life. And he is good and he is to be trusted. And so this brings us to our last point, waiting, not demanding. Waiting, not demanding. Continue to wait on him. This flows out of the idea of persevering. God is the one who is in control. He is Lord and you are not. Do you understand that? How many times do we come to the Lord demanding that he must answer our prayers in the way that we're asking, in the timing that we're asking, and, and he's just like, I can't do that. Because my plans are much better than your plans. My ways are so much higher than your ways. So I'm asking you to trust me. I love you. I care for you. And I am good. And so trust me. Waiting. How much waiting have we seen already in Genesis? Abraham. How old was he when he was promised a son? 75 years old. You're going to have a son. When did he get a son? 100 years old. 25 years of waiting. His son Isaac, we're told, we're going to look at this in, in the fall. His son Isaac prays for a son at the age of 40. When did God answer that prayer? When Isaac is 60. 20 years of waiting. God rarely answers immediately what we ask for. Menikoff says this, expect to wait. Expectations matter. If you assume God is going to alleviate your suffering, change your spouse, prosper your ministry, or grow your church, then you've adopted a version of the prosperity gospel. Who knows? God may bless you in these ways. He may lighten your burden tomorrow, but he might not. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? So what do we do? Well, as I talked about last week, we continue to take our burdens and we cast them to him. Day in and day out, Lord, in your time, you will answer my prayer. And I believe that you have the power to do so. And you will do it in your timing and in your way. And I know that's so much better than my timing in my way. But there's also this other prayer that John prayed, that we pray. Jesus comes soon. Jesus comes soon. I want us to turn to Romans 8 as we end this morning. Romans chapter 8. There's a day coming. Do you know that? It's coming soon. Where you're no longer going to be tempted to be angry. You're no longer going to struggle with sin. You're no longer going to wrestle with pain and suffering in this life. 
There's a day coming when Christ is going to return. We're told in Romans 8, verse 19, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. That the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, we, but who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. These bodies, this flesh that continues to cry out, someday it's going to be done with. And we, we, we wait for that eagerly. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But we hope for what we do not see. What do we do? We wait for it with patience. With patience. Lord, you're coming. You're coming soon. We cannot wait for the day. We long for the day. We continue to pray for the day. But in the meantime, Lord, we trust you. Help us, Lord, to wait on you. Well, this morning my prayer that you would apprehend the characteristic of patience in the heart of the Father, that you would appreciate the conduct of patience in the ministry of the Savior, and that you would apply the cultivation of patience in the life of the believer, that you would see remembering, not forgetting, that you would see forgiving, not begrudging, that you would see slowing, not hurrying, persevering, not quitting, and waiting, and not demanding, as the fruit of the Spirit is formed in you. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for this time together this morning. There's so much here, so much more that we could talk about this morning. But Lord, we pray, Lord, would you have your way in our lives. Lord, your character is such that you are quick to forgive, slow to anger, merciful, compassionate. God, may that character be seen in us. May we follow the example of Christ our Lord who through his patience saved us, bearing our weight upon himself. God, if you bring in conviction to our hearts this morning, Lord, bring repentance. Lord, help us to be quick to repent, to want what you want in our lives, no longer holding on to bitterness or anger in our lives, but Lord, laying it down before, your, before the cross, remembering what you've done to us, for us, Lord, and then... Lord, walking by the power of your spirit. Lord, help us to forgive. Help us to to be slow to anger with those around us, those whom we love, those who are our enemies. Lord, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.